And then some interesting things happened uh, in our lives uh, over the past year, and I think that uh, thought came to my head, maybe listening to other guys speak uh, about uh, our course, uh, finishing our course, because our course or our ministry uh, could be laden with uh, interesting situations, we'll call them that, in life that uh, we have to trust in the Lord for, okay? And so let's, uh, 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 if somebody is uh, putting scripture on tonight, it would be uh, 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8, finishing our course. And uh, let me read that then. I'm sure that's... uh, Many of the things, uh, thanks Tony, uh, many of the things I'm going to say tonight uh, and in upcoming messages, uh, all you folks already know. But hopefully uh, with the next number of messages, and uh, it's going to take a number of messages on the subject, uh, that maybe it'll be edifying to you in some way with uh, maybe how my mind is working uh, through this subject. And in 2 Timothy 4, 6, it states, For I am now ready to be authored, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the judge, shall give me at that day, the day of Christ, and not only to me, but all uh, unto all of them that love his Epiphania is appearing. Some people say it's uh, uh, Epiphania, which is uh, uh, a very, uh, very unique word to our calling. His appearing, our manifestation uh, in the super heavenlies. I believe that to me. And so I looked this over, and, and uh, I looked this over, and I thought about it. And I thought within my heart that maybe uh, it would be uh, edifying for us to study uh, a couple of examples in the in the Word of God of uh, human beings that had a course, and see if we can um, about finishing their course, and uh, to see if there's any similarities in their course and what they faced. Or if there's differences in their course and what they faced. And the two greatest examples are our Lord and Savior and Head Christ Jesus and the Apostle Paul. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to, tonight, I'm going to talk about the course or the ministry. And so uh, when the Apostle Paul states that he's finished his course. Well, certainly it has much more to do than finishing out his human life. I believe that he was talking about his uh, entire ministry in Christ. That's what I believe. And so our Lord had a course or a ministry. The Apostle Paul had a course, or, or I think more accurately a ministry, 
and we all have a course or a ministry. And so as we go, as I, as I stated, we're going to be facing different things, uh, and different powers and different temptations and different blessings as we go and move on this course. And some people get on the course, they got on the mystery, and they finish out their course to the glory of God. Other people, like uh, the parable of the good seed on, on the rocks and on the stone and on the sandy soil, I think that some people begin in the uh, dispensation of the mystery, see it, and then Satan takes it away. And they're, uh, and they're satisfied with that or they don't understand what they gave up or whatever. And so I'm trying to put forth the idea that it's a course that we finish. It's the course that the, uh, his, the Lord finished his course. The apostle Paul finished his course no matter what came up and no matter what they faced. And I think as time goes on in our world, uh, this is going to be very, uh, very important to us as this world moves on. Wanted to say to you that I, uh, I see some news on my, uh, on, on my iPad every morning. I look at about 12 to 15 different statements about the news. Here's one for you that has come up. In Pennsylvania and California, um, grammar school children, which I think that uh, range in age from kindergarten to six years old, or sixth grade, pardon me, are given the opportunity to join a club after school. And it's called the Club of Satan. They're given this opportunity by the school, uh, school system. Uh, believe it or not, in Pennsylvania and in California. And one of the promoters of this said, we're not promoting religion. We're, <laughs> we're not promoting a religion. We're promoting the idea that these kids can now make up their own minds. Okay, so the reason I say that is this, is that is that our world is becoming seethingly evil. I'm not trying to be a negative Nancy, negative Norman whatsoever, but I mean, I can remember when I was in grammar school in the dark ages and uh, nothing, nothing even close to something like a class of Satan with her, even mentioned what's uh you know so I wanted to mention that meaning this meaning that it's a possibility that as our ministry goes we might be facing more obstacles as we move on. I think that might be true. But let me say this before I begin and I can't help but having thoughts flow into my mind that we have total victory. No matter what comes across in our lives, no matter how much we're tempted, no matter how whatever we face, no matter how much our flesh fails, 
Whatever it might be, no matter friends, family, whatever it might be, we have total and complete victory our head, Christ Jesus our Lord. And, that, you know, that's, that should be understood as we go. So if anything else, if you get, if you get to some points that I do, you can, you can rest in his arms, believe me. All right. And in, in studying the course of, uh, uh, the Lord and Savior Christ Jesus, the Apostle Paul, and our course, uh, I wanted, uh, all of you folks to keep this in mind. Keep these thoughts in mind. All right. Okay, we're going to get into studying the ministry of our, our Lord. Uh, who is the Lord? Okay. Who is Paul? And who are we? All right, you say, well, what? What's that all about? Well, uh, I think you're going to find you're going to find similarities between the Lord Paul and us, and then you're going to find differences between, of course, God in the flesh, Paul and us. And here's another thought we should keep in our minds: How is each one of these ministries—the ministry of the Lord, the ministry of Paul, the ministry many of His? And ours received by the religious world. Is it received by the religious world? The Lord faced a religious world. Paul certainly faced a religious world. And we certainly face a religious machine. Alright, so in that sense, uh, all of our ministries are the same. How is the will of the Father involved in each one of these ministries? Was the will of the Father involved in the Lord's ministry? Was the will of the Father involved in Paul's ministries? Was the will of the Father involved in our ministry? What are, what are each of these ministries all about? What was the Lord's ministry? To who? And why? The Apostle Paul, what was his ministry? To who and why? What was, what is our ministry? To who and why? How did or how was Satan and the world of spiritual wickedness responding to each one of these ministries? The Lord had to deal with Satan. The Apostle Paul certainly had to deal with spiritual wickedness, and we have to deal with spiritual wickedness. So in all of those cases, our ministries are similar. What is the mindset of each person in these ministries? What was the mindset of our Lord? What was the mindset of the Apostle Paul? And what should be our mindset? in our ministry. Basically, it has to do with singleness of mind. I think that's scriptural. What are the promised rewards at the finishing of these ministries? That is, what rewards when we finish our course or our ministry fully to the end. The Lord had promises and rewards 
The Apostle Paul had promises and rewards, and we have promises and rewards. How, how did each of these ministries, how did the person respond to suffering? How did the Lord respond to suffering? How did Paul respond to suffering? How do we respond to suffering? Suffering is a fact of life, and it's certainly a fact of true Christian ministry. Okay, so I don't know if you can remember all those, but that's uh, what, what came out of my mind. Okay, so now we're going to look at uh, the Lord. The Lord and Savior Christ Jesus. And so, okay, so I don't know how, how, uh, what? I don't know how far I'm going to get, but, um, I'm going to take each, the Lord, the Apostle Paul, and us, and we're going to discuss some of those thoughts in each of these courses or ministries. How the religious world receives us, how Satan and, and minions attack us, how the will of the Father is involved, and uh, the other a number of questions that I raised as we go. All right, that's the <clears throat> that is the uh, uh, what that is the foundation of what I'll be speaking about probably in the next few lessons that I I, uh, I give if if that's okay. What was the Lord's court, the Lord's ministry? We know that the ministry of our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus was multifactorial. That is to say, uh, that is to say, we're going to look at some scriptures finally and uh, stop listening to. Even though in his flesh he didn't speak of the dispensation of the mystery, we would have no calling whatsoever without the shed blood of Christ. Ephesians 1. That's a matter of fact. So, even though the Lord had a particular purpose when he walked in the flesh, his ministry was multifactorial to the point that his shed blood covered those of the hidden unreal sacred secret, we'll call it that. The Lord's primary ministry and mindset was to do the will of the Father, and we're going to look at that. The Lord's mindset, his one mind, if you will, was to do the will of the Father. And, um, you know, I mean, you could sit back and think, think of the uh, uh, scriptures that belong to your calling and and think, well, let's see, where is the will of the Father involved in pickling? Well, let's, uh, here we go now, let's uh, stop listening to me and, and get into the awesome word of God, because I do know this, I do know that we could sit here for 50 minutes and just read scriptures, and it would be astounding. So, let's turn to uh, John 4, 32 through 34. I'm talking about the Lord's ministry of the Lord's course, okay? And, you know, uh, you know 
probably all you guys and folks and women know all these things. But nevertheless, maybe somehow uh, you might uh, might get a blessing out of uh, out of uh, what I, what I'm trying to do. Um, John four thirty two through thirty four. But he sent, said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Therefore said his disciples one to another, Has any man brought him aught to eat? Did any man bring him some food? Okay, so unfortunately the apostle, the apostle disciples didn't know what he was talking about. Jesus said unto them, My meat is to do the will of him of the Father that sent me, and to finish his work. All right? To finish his work. And so, in the Lord's ministry, he was finishing the work that was directed to him by the Father. Think about that, and we're gonna, as we go, as we go through the Lord's ministry, the Apostle Paul's ministry, and our ministry, think about to finish the work of the Father. Okay? And, uh, was that it? Yeah, that was it. Okay, that was it for John 4. Turn to John 5, 26 through 32. Just making a point about the Lord. Because this was his singleness of mind. At least, you know, I mean, he performed many miracles. He healed the sick, uh, raised the dead, um, preached forth uh, the truth. He was the truth. He was the life. He was the bread of life. He was many, many things. Uh, this, is, this was his primary mindset. John 5, 26 through 32. And it states, For as the Father has life in himself, so has he given to the Son to have life in himself. And see, I think through all of this we can really uh, start having a love for our dear Heavenly Father. And has given him, the Lord, authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Interesting, okay? So we do know this. We know that the similarity of the Lord is that he came in the form of sinful flesh, but did not sin. And so... In a way to us, he was similar, but in, a, in another way, he had the power that we can't fathom in the flesh. So that, that makes him unique in our thinking. Marvel not at this in verse 30, 28. For the hour is coming in which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice, and shall come they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation or judgment. Okay, that's that's a complete study in itself. I can of my own self do nothing, as I hear I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will. All right, so if you think about the Son of God walking in the flesh on the planet, Maybe you might not totally get, or maybe I wouldn't, or maybe anybody wouldn't get, that he was doing completely the will of the Father. You know, 
no matter what he was doing or what he was saying, which is, you know, it's something, it's something uh, for, for us to think about. Thirty-one. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. Interesting. There is another that bears witness of me, and I know that witness, which he witness of me, is true. Okay? So, the main point on the mindset of the Lord and Savior Christ Jesus our head, the Son of God, was to, to do the will of his Father. The Father had life in him, and he gave life to his Son. All right, uh, uh, John 6, 35 through 39. John 6, 35 through 39. And, you know, there's, you know, we could, we could sit and hours and hours read scriptures about the Lord's ministry and uh, many, many other things about his ministry. I'm just trying to make a point of the singleness of his mind. You know, he came to redeem sinner. He came to save the sick. Uh, you know, uh, there's many, many, many other things he came to do. But this all is produced by uh, the will of the Father. According to the script, uh, John 6, 35 through 39. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. You know, I, I thank the Lord that, that I, I understand even a scripture like that. Uh, I mean, it's wonderful. How many human beings have no clue of, of what that truly means? I am the bread of life. I mean, seriously. And we know much, so much more than just that, but that in itself is astounding that we can sit here in 2022 and understand who the Son of God was in A.D. 29. I mean, you know, that's astounding. We have his word here. All of these things are miracles, really, uh, in, a, in a sense. I am the bread of life. He that comes to me shall never hunger, and he that believes on me shall never thirst. While a human mind could never understand it without God the Holy Spirit. But we, in fact, totally understand it, which is awesome. But I, I said, I said unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. All that the Father gives me shall come to me. All, all them, all that to them that the Father gives to me shall come to me. And him that comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from the heavens, not to do my own will. I mean, you know, look at how many times this is uh, being set forth. But the will of him that sent me, and this is the Father's will that sent me, that of all which he has given me, I should lose nothing or none of them, something we can rest on, but should raise it up again, raise them up again at the last day. Okay, this is uh, another calling, but nevertheless, the, the principle of being solid in the Lord is there. Okay, so the Lord's singleness of mind, his mindset, no matter what he did, was to do the will of our dear Heavenly Father and his Father. The Lord was sent to fulfill 
the scriptures of the law and the prophets. Okay, that's that's extremely important because I believe that those who truly were astounded at who he was knew that he was the, the, the exact fulfillment of scriptures of the law and the prophets. And as we move on into what faced him in the religious world, we'll find that the law, whatever the law, whatever kind of law, the religious world, speaking of the scribes, Pharisees, and the Sadducees, were following, whatever law that was, which wasn't actually I'm getting ahead of myself, Was which wasn't actually the law of Moses. It was the law of traditions of the fathers, which they made up for a reason. Whatever true law of Moses that is, he was the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. And so, and so that part of his ministry uh, was... Pretty unique to the Lord. I I can't say that I'm a fulfillment of the law and the prophets in uh, in any way whatsoever. Okay, so let's turn and read about that in Mark 15. Okay, so again, this is part of the uh, the Lord's uh, the Lord's course or his ministry. Mark 15:24 through 32. Mark 15, 24 through 32. And I thank you, Tony, for your work. Mark 15, 24 through 32. And when they had crucified him, they parted his garments, casting lots upon them, what every man should take. Well, that was a fulfilled prophecy. And it was the third hour, or 9 a.m., and they crucified him. And the superscription of his accusation was written over him, the king of the Jews, or the Judeans. Now, as we, is he on here tonight? Oh, yeah, yes, okay. Uh, uh, Al Newman is on here tonight. And so, I'm going to say this about Al Newman. <laughs> Alan Nass, Nass. And um, if Al is correct, uh, the word Jew should be Judeans. And so, I don't know where all of you folks sit on that, on, on, the, uh, on the lessons that... Uh, Al Nass taught, but what I'm going to do is every time I see the word Jew is I'm going to read the, I'm going to say Jew or Judean. Alright? King of the Jews or King of the Judeans and with him they crucified two thieves, the one on his right hand and the other on his left. We know that there were actually five humans crucified including the Lord. And the scripture was fulfilled, which said, and he was numbered with the transgressors. Also this, uh, this is very important. This is very important to uh, 
uh, it's important in my mind. How are we received by the world? All right, so we're getting we're getting a real good taste of how God was received by the world. All right, so uh, the uh, the way that I view things many times after reading some of these scriptures about the truth and about our calling and about God himself in the flesh is look at how the world received the truth. Okay, here's a, here's a pointed example of that. How they received God in the flesh. I mean, this is serious. And they that passed by railed on it, no less. Wagging their heads and saying, ah, thou that destroyed the temple and builded it in three days, save thyself and come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests mocking said unto themselves, with the scribes, he saved himself. He cannot save. Let Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross that we may see and believe. Imagine. Imagine. Imagine the reception that God is getting in the flesh from human beings. I mean, this is a, to me, it's quite a stark lesson. It's quite a slap in the face. It's a hit in the head with a shovel uh, of, of how God and the truth is received in this world. Luke 4, 16 through 21. And, you know, we're just going to keep on motoring here until my time's over. And then wherever we get, we're going to take it up from there. Luke 4. 16 through 21. I hope you're enjoying this. Uh, and he came to Nazareth. He had been brought up. Interesting. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, talking about himself, because he has anointed me to preach the good message to the poor and has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Okay, there's many Gospels, that's why I said the good message, because people of the world, people of the religious world, would make you believe there is the Gospel. The gospel, and that's that's ridiculous. I mean, that is that is um, that is so small-minded, and it is so lack of interest in God's word that it's pitiful. Really, it's pitiful to say that there's only one good message in the New Testament. I mean, seriously. I never knew that years ago, but many people are duped into that, right? 
in the religious world in which we live. He came to preach, sent to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And notice, we don't find generals, presidents, kings, queens, uh, power mongers, uh, Napoleon types uh, that the Lord is talking about. You're not saying that a queen of England couldn't be a believer, but as the scriptures state, not many noble, not many people of uh, of, of a, a line of the flesh, not many great, not many uh, uh, noble are, are chosen to know the things of God. And uh, there's a reason for that, is because, for one, uh, he, came, he came to preach to those that were brokenhearted, and he loves people that are humble. And so the reason... One of the great reasons why the Lord was, uh, the Lord was, um, treated like he was is because the people that treated him such were high-minded and ignorant. And they loved themselves and they loved light and they loved darkness, really. And he closed the book and gave it again to the minister and sat down and the eyes of all them that were in the, in the synagogue were fashioned on him. And he began to say unto them, this day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. And so that particular scripture of Isaiah, the prophet, was fulfilled at that particular second in their ears by the Lord. And the last reference I have is Matthew 5, talking about the Lord fulfilling the law and the prophets. Now, again, we're looking at the course of the Lord. And so we're setting the groundwork uh, just a tad of what he came to do. And then we're going to be moving on as to how he was accepted and how wickedness attacked him in various ways, okay? Because the same relative things, not to such a degree, happens to us. And so we uh, turn to Matthew five sixteen through 20, and it reads, Let your light so shine before men that ye that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in the heavens. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy them, but to fulfill them. For truthfully I say unto you, till the heavens and the earth pass, not one jack or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law, till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments shall and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of the heaven or heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great 
in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, hmm, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of God. Well, you know, this is a pretty interesting scripture here, because there's only one person that ever fulfilled the, the law, which is actually spiritual completely, and that was our Lord. And so no human being being born of a woman can fulfill the whole law. That's scriptural fact. And what's more, um, well, as we as we go on and we take a look at the scribes and the Pharisees, we'll take a look at sort of what they were into. By the way, uh, the, uh, the, the Gospel of Matthew, at least 15 verses or more that talk about the Lord fulfilling the scriptures of the prophets. And so if you want to uh, study that subject out, um, you can, Matthew is the book to read. <clears throat> Let's look at Matthew 15, 22 through 28. Okay, so what was the ministry of the Lord? What was one of the aspects of it? Okay, so he came to save the lost house of the lost sheep of Israel, or the lost sheep of the house of Israel, Matthew 5, 15, 22. All right, so. <laughs> and so, again, we can, we can match up, think about Paul's ministry, and then we can think about our ministry. And, of course, we can't save anybody, you know, but who is our ministry to? Who is Paul's ministry to? But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And... Whosoever shall say unto his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council, but whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hell, fire, or Vienna fire. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there remembers that thy brother has ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go away. First be reconciled to thy brother, I hope I got the right scripture here. Maybe I did not. I don't think I did. 15, 20. Oh, okay. It could be. Oh, I'm in. Oh, I'm in uh, Matthew 5. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, pardon me. I, I, you know, I'm 67. Give me a break. Uh, Matthew 15. Sorry, sorry, guys. I was reading Matthew 5. Hey, you knew that, huh? You guys knew that. How come nobody said anything? All right. Here we go. I didn't even look at the uh, screen here. Pardon me for my lesion. Matthew 15, 22. And behold, a woman from Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto the Lord, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. 
But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she cries after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not fit to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. And she said, True, Lord, truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which shall fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. And this is, I think, uh, this is a foreshadowing, I believe, of salvation going past the nation of Israel. Myself, that's that's what I think. All right, so uh, we have 13 minutes left. How was the Lord received by the religious world of his time? And, um, you know, I think that, I think in how was, you know, we're going to study about how Paul was received. And um, I want you folks to think about how you're re- by the religious world, if you've ever been in such a situation. Um, I've had uh, a number of things occur unto me uh, in my, quote, course or ministry. Um, you know, uh, you're said to be a heretic. I was called a heretic a time or two. We're called ultra-dispensationalists, and, uh, you know, we're way far afield by the religious world. Many other uh, things might occur and happen to you in different manners from the religious world, you know, but there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that, and I think... As we go, we're going to find that that we do take on similar suffering, uh, similar as the Lord did and Paul did. Maybe not as severe yet. Maybe not as severe yet, because yeah, we're in the United States. We are we are so pampered. All you got to do is look at the rest of the world and look at people that believe in the rest of the world and I think we would uh, we would thank the Lord even the more I believe that to be true how was the Lord received by the religious world of his time the point of a being is that the Lord was the truth all right do you have the truth today do we have the truth today yes we do we have, uh, we've been given privy to the highest truth ever given to any human being on the planet. And so, would we, would we, that that isn't going to be challenged? Uh, well, I think so. I think that it's going to be challenged in the human world, and certainly it's going to be challenged in the spiritual realm. No doubt about that. Okay, so let's turn to uh, John 5.
how was the Lord received by the religious world of his day or time? And we can think about uh, who were the main figures of the religious world of the Lord's time and for, cer- for certain Um, for certain, um, they were the Pharisees, the scribes who were, um, they were lawyers and they were judges. And then there were Sadducees. The Pharisees and Sadducees were also lawyers and judges, but not all of them. We know that the Sadducees did not believe in resurrection. Boy, look how far off they were. But the Pharisees believed in resurrection. And, uh, of course, they didn't know the truth. And when the Lord came... They did not know the truth embodied in front of them for a reason. And so when we turn to John 5, we're going to start looking into this reason, the reasoning behind the religious world. And um, I think that after I read John 5, I'm, I miss, I miss the, uh, things about, about who the Lord is. All right? I don't even know why I missed it, but I missed a whole number of things talking about who the Lord is. All right, and I think that's a good thing to do uh, when talking about history. But let's let's read John five first, thirteen through twenty-one. So, how was the Lord received? Can we expect similar reception? And he that that was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus found himself in the temple and said unto him, oh, I'm sorry, after that, Jesus founded him, the man that was healed, pardon me, in the temple and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole, sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon thee. And the man departed and told the Judeans, or the Jews, that it was Jesus which had made him whole. And therefore did the Jews or the Judeans persecute Jesus and sought to sleep. Because he had done these things on the Sabbath day, no less. But Jesus answered them, My father works here, and I work. Therefore the Jews or the Judeans sought the more to kill him. This is uh this is quite a response to me. I mean uh uh I mean would the average human being have this response? I don't think so. Um therefore the Judeans sought the more to kill him, because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his father, making himself equal equal to God. Well and then answered the Lord and said unto them, Truthfully, truthfully, I say unto you, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do, for what things soever he does, these things also does the son likewise. For the father loves the son 
and shows him all things that himself does. And he will show him greater works than these that ye may marvel. For as the Father raises up the dead and quickens them, even Son quickens whom he will. And so he was received by murderous mind, the truth of God. Okay, so we have five minutes, and, and I'm going to stop there, but um, we didn't get too far uh, with the Lord, but that's how the scriptures are. And so uh, who is the Lord? Okay, this is uh, many things that you know already, but, you know, uh, we certainly... <laughs> we certainly are not God in the flesh, so in that sense we're different. Yet, God the Holy Spirit dwells within us. And so, there might be similarity to at least the Apostle Paul, and possibly the Lord himself. Okay, he was the Word. Uh, you, don't, you don't have to look this up at all. I'll just, I'll just run by these in the next five minutes. He is the Word. He was with God from the beginning, and he is God. All through, or came unto being through him, John 1. He is the I am. I mean, just, uh, just think about this. Uh, think about this one. He is the I am from John 8. He is the Son of God. That's in John 1 also. He is called the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the archegos and the teleotes, the finisher, author and finisher of our faith. He is our faith's princely leader, its captain, its author. He is the one who brings us through to the end. He is the leader and the victor. Hebrews 12. He is the head of the called out assembly who are his body, the fullness of him in the super heavenlies. Ephesians 1. And so um, I'm going to end with that for now and I hope that this made sense, but there's a long way to go with this study, and I hope that you may understand uh, what I'm what I'm trying to do here, uh, and 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 that's edifying to you and brings glory to God our Father and the Lord and Savior Christ Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening.